I may end up dead. It's a low probability, but I don't know if I would mentally survive dangling off a rope with a two kilometer drop below me. Welcome back or welcome to Toughest Call, a podcast for organizational leaders where we hear stories from your leadership colleagues about career-defining decisions. I'm your host, Chaz Thorne. In this episode, I'm talking with John Burke about a tough call he faced when climbing a literal mountain and what he learned from it as a leader. John is the president of the Business Excellence Institute, a worldwide membership body for business excellence professionals. John talks about a difficult choice he had to make while standing on a narrow ledge above a deadly two-kilometer drop. Though it was not a call he had to make for his business, the repercussions of that defining moment continue to inform how he approaches his professional decision-making. John, let's start at the point of why did you decide that you needed to climb a mountain? Wow. Um, that's a good question, and it's one which I, I think, in this particular instance, wasn't a, a big decision. I mean, it wasn't climbing a mountain, it was climbing another mountain. I, I've climbed many mountains. Uh, it's things that I've been doing since about the age of three. The first mountain I climbed, I had to do two attempts. So this particular mountain, um, the reasons behind why climbing it were because at the time I was living in Tokyo uh, and I hadn't seen my father in quite a while, um, pushing a year. He was 65 and I didn't have too many more opportunities. I felt in my life where I would be able to go climbing mountains with him. My brother and I both decided that we'd fly to climb a mountain with him. And he selected a mountain in, um, United States in Wyoming, uh, the Grand Teton or the Grand Teton. Okay. So you're there um, with your, your brother and your father, and I'm assuming, um, did you have a guide? Were there other, were there other people in your group as well? Yes. Uh, but in this particular instance, because we were totally new to it, and it was a technical level of expertise climbing greater than either my brother or I had, there was a guide um so you could go up with a guide and multiple um other people as well but we opted for this as a family unit with one guide so there were four of us on the climb were you what was happening what was the environment around you when you were faced with this tough call okay well i mean the scene it starts off very easily you fly in um and that's something which in our case, it took about 36 hours and loads of plane journeys. You immediately start to have to overcome jet lag, but also to acclimatize because at the time living in Tokyo, it's approximately sea level. And we, we flew into Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which is an altitude of about 2000 meters. Uh, so that's already air is a bit thinner. So what you do is you start to acclimatize. You do a little bit of exercising. You get to know the guide. He does a couple of technical tests to check your competency and get a confidence that you will be able to safely climb the mountain. And also I believe, and I only discussed this briefly with him, to determine which route to take you up, not to go necessarily too easily or too hardly, but to sort of 
get it right for you. Then after you uh, set out, you've got a day of, of, I'm going to call it climbing, but it's not technical climbing. It's a day of ascent. And you do that day of ascent to a camp. Um, we call it a base camp. Um, it had its own name, but you know that's specific to this particular mountain. And at that base camp, you arrive, you cook yourself some food for the evening, you go to bed. And the next morning, in this case, you get up and you make the ascent to the summit, if all goes well, after which you would descend. So this particular climb, it's a two-day climb, and therefore you've got that first day of ascent, and then you've got this next day where you wake up typically around 3 a.m., and you would start moving head torch on at about 3.30, because the idea is to get up while the, the, the temperatures are, are still such that it, it's safe, and therefore you you would normally be looking to summit uh, late morning and then spend the rest of the day descending. Are you at the base camp at this point or are you at the next the next uh, point in terms of the two day ascent? So we're we're at this stage where I have this moment of of the toughest call mm. quite a bit out from the base camp the following morning. So having had breakfast, we set out around 3.30 a.m. It's dark, it's cold, and it's raining. Um, now, it, it was early summertime, but at the same time, you're at altitude, and it's still dark, so it, it's cold. Um, where I was was on a narrow ledge, having gone horizontally or traversed across to the next piece of vertical ascent, and the the ledge, I'm gonna guess it was about six inches, so it's you know maybe ten or or, or or twelve centimeters wide. There was a vertical drop of approximately two thousand meters. Yikes! <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one way to put it. Uh, directly beside me. Now we were roped, so you know we're safe. Um, we're safe in theory and logic but not mm. necessarily emotionally and you run through your heads yes but if i fall i'll still hurt myself and i'll be dangling with maybe you know a broken limb over a mile or, or, or two kilometers above what's next and um, it was very very wet so i had taken my gloves off to ensure that i was getting grip on the stone which of course means because it was cold as well that my fingers were beginning to get a little bit too cold, a little bit numb. And at this point, the guide said to me, we're almost there, which is good news. And he said, all we need to do now is just go up here and then turn right. And I looked up where he was pointing and it was an overhang. My, my hands are, are cold. The rock is a bit slippy because it's wet. There's this big drop and I've just been pointed to an overhang, which means you sort of would need to be sort of a spider to get up it securely in my head. And at this stage, I remember thinking very clearly, okay, I cannot do that. I have my my, uh, father who's 65, my brother and the guide, we're now one and a half days in or or, or 75% or so of the climb done almost at the objective but 
I'm going to have to say to myself that I am brave enough to admit that I'm not up to this. And that means we're not going to achieve our objective. We're going to have to turn back. Uh, the fact that my, my father had flown from Europe, uh, my brother and I had flown from Japan, all of that effort, probably the last time we were ever going to be able to go and, and climb a mountain with my father again, was going to be exploded and wasted because we are doing something that is technically and perhaps psychologically just that bridge too far for me. So did you, did you voice this with your, uh, with the guide, with your brother, with, with your dad and sort of talk it through with them? What was sort of your process in this moment of deciding, you know, do I go forward or do I, do I not? I discussed it with the guide. Um, the, the guide was immediately proximate to me. I said out loud, I'm man enough to admit that I don't want to go on. I, I, I'm not going to be able to do this. Hmm. And that was my verbalization. Having gone through the internal dialogue, the internal dialogue was, this is my decision. And if I make it, everybody fails. And right. if I push through it, I may end up... Um, I may end up dead. It's a low probability, but I don't know if I would mentally survive dangling off a rope with a two kilometer drop below me. And so the guide responded and said, that's fine. It's no problem. We can turn down. We can go back. And that put me a little bit at ease, not much because you've gone through this thing of thinking that you've got to go over this overhang. Um, and unfortunately, then the guide said, or fortunately, depending on perspective, <laughs> the easiest way to go down is we just go up here and then we turn left, which was up the exact same thing that I was worried about. As opposed to turning right for the summit, we turn left and go down. At which point, I suppose the decision was made for me because the only way out of this situation was to go over this challenge, as it were. And therefore, irrespective of whether we were going to continue and succeed or turn back, I had to face my fear. What was your process then in that moment in order to get your feet to even move forward? Oh, it was fairly simple. I mean, you know, you don't have a choice. Um, there, there's, well, you do have a choice. You, you die because you kind of can't stay on that ledge forever. Or you go forward. Um, so I suppose it's a mental sigh, maybe a physical sigh, and then you get yourself in position and you start climbing. Um, so it, it, it was a moment of, of acceptance and then, okay, I've, I've got to do this. Um, it, it's, it's not something where you can argue about the best way to do it or you can decide I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> you're, you're, you're standing on this ledge and also, you know, the, the day is progressing and the sun is coming up um, and that can have implications for things like ice and so on. So you want to just, I, I suppose, even if you're going to die, you want to do it in such a way that you don't cause other people to die too. I, I mean, right. that logic definitely didn't go through my head. It was just, okay, uh, I hate this, but let's go. So what happens next as you move towards the overhang? So what happened next was, I said, 
okay, let's go. And then the guide showed me exactly where I needed to go. And to my amazing delight, which also shows me that communication is, is so important, I realized that it wasn't to climb the overhang, which he had initially pointed to, it was to climb slightly to the right of that overhang, which didn't require me to be quite the same degree of spider. And as a result of that, already I started to feel more confident. And okay, we, 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 the guy went first and I, I followed. That's really interesting. So there was, there was actually a, an assumption that you were making that was weighed into your, your decision that turned out to be slightly incorrect. Oh, I don't think there was any question that it was slightly incorrect. I mean, it was totally incorrect. Um, <laughs> I was trying to be generous, John. There you go. But okay. That's, that's fine. That's fine. But, but, but herein lies a, a really key lesson. The assumption the guide made was that I understood where we were supposed to go when he pointed. The assumption I made was that I had correctly interpreted where he was saying we had to go. Neither of us thought to double check. And if, if for example, you're, you're um, at sea and you're sailing, you, you give an instruction and that instruction is echoed back. So you have that confirmation built in, in cases where there's a lot of things that are really critical and, and people's livelihoods are on the line. And in this instance, the guy believed that I had understood, I believed that I had understood, and I was incorrect. The consequence of which was I had overestimated the challenge, overestimated the difficulty, and that dread, that, that, that kind of, this is a bridge too far for me, presented me with a psychological barrier that was more challenging and more difficult than the actual barrier that I had to face. Hmm. So you get beyond the overhang, you, you realize that, oh, okay, this is actually the way to go. And then you well, turn right or you turn left? No, I mean, at that stage, it was, it was always going to be turn right. I mean, okay. once, once you've got to go over there, that's the bit that was problematic. There's no more question. We're not, now that we've got over this, we're not going to go back. I'm not going to be a result of the team failing in its objective. Mm -hmm. We're going to continue. The, the rest of it, you know what? It's it's a little bit shaky, but ultimately, it's it's much easier than the bit that we've just done. It's the final um, ascent, and it's it's what you need to do to, to achieve the objective, to obtain the goal. And by the way, it's going to be wonderful to see the view from the summit. What did it feel like when you were at the summit? So normally when I get to the summits of mountains and, and normally there's not that much technical climbing, not, not, not rock climbing involved, it, it, it's really wonderful. You, you get to see the splendid nature and just appreciate this earth. Uh, it's the kind of thing which if, if you talk to people who are Buddhist monks, for example, they say, you know, you can't really explain to somebody they need to experience themselves. But I, I give a, a shot at explaining that to you. Nonetheless, this time around, the first thing that it felt was just relief. It's kind of, hooray, we're here. I've done it. I haven't caused anybody to, to um, be disappointed. We didn't need to turn back. And by the way, yes, isn't it beautiful? So 
what do you feel you took from that experience that has informed how you now approach tough calls as a leader of your of your own organization? My biggest barrier, irrespective of whether it was the overhang or to the right of it, was my own fear. And fear is 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 a, it's a construct of the mind, and you therefore have the ability to overcome these things yourself. Your own mind can give you the ability to come through these things. So you have, I suppose, the ability to really push through and conquer your fears. Um, and this is in a situation where there was a degree of physical danger. Um, in places where there isn't a degree of physical danger, where it's a, it, it's a fear of um, maybe being laughed at or being ostracized or, or some political pushback in an organization or some small financial impacts of things not going optimally at work. Um, these things are all much smaller consequences and therefore in a way much easier to, to overcome those fears. Um, the next thing is obviously always there's implications for other people. Um, in this particular instance, it was the other people on that, that team. In this case, family plus the guide. And even though you know this is a personal decision, that personal decision affects other people and impacts them positively or negatively. And then to wrap back down to the, the, the conversation about assumptions, uh, assumptions really are, 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 I mean, we need to make assumptions to get through life, but they are very dangerous because frequently what we assume is wrong. And as a team, as a group of people who need to collaborate, to work together, to achieve anything in order to, I suppose, clarify that you all have a common understanding, really frequent open communication and synopsizing and echoing back, etc., to make sure that the actual understandings are shared is hugely important. That is an excellent, not only summary of that experience, but, but tangible application for, um, for how it can inform how we look at, at decision-making as leaders. In closing, John, any plans to climb any other mountains? And I'm not talking metaphorical, I'm talking literal, uh, anytime, anytime soon. I will always climb mountains, both physical and metaphorical, because not because they're there, but be, be, but because ultimately you 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 need to set yourself goals that you're going to enjoy achieving. And life is a mountain; it's a journey. And and realistically, it's not just the view; it's the process of getting there. Even when you're on that ledge and scared, that really makes everything so worthwhile. If you'd like to learn more about John and his work, check out his organization, the Business Excellence Institute, at businessexcellence.org and consider becoming a member. And if you'd like some assistance with your own tough calls, we've compiled a collection of free tools just for you. Go to toughestcall.com to check them out. If you're not yet a subscriber to Toughest Call, please add us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I hope this conversation helps you when faced with your next tough call.